Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started. Welcome to Pine Class Preachers. We are your hosts, Tom and Gabe, not Josh tonight. It's getting to be that time of year again. Raking leaves, apple pie, turkey dinners, softly falling snow, pumpkin spice lattes, pumpkin spice cookies, pumpkin spice Pringles, pumpkin spice gum, pumpkin spice toothpaste, pumpkin spice gasoline. You know, you get the gist. Pretty soon, it's Christmas carols, those annoying bell ringers for the Salvation Army. Side note, this part of the rant might actually be topical for tonight's discussion. Purchasing gifts for loved ones, the annual debate on happy holidays versus Merry Christmas, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and, wait for it, making sure you make your year-end charitable contributions. That's right, get it in before December 31st. Get it done, people, to harvest.org. Tonight, we tell you why you should give, how you should give, and where you should give to harvest.org. Enjoy! I know if I had money, I'd give it to twoharvest.org. Yes, there what we a, go. What a fine organization. Uh, real quick, do pumpkin spice Pringles actually exist? They actually exist. There is also uh, pumpkin spice gum. I may have made up the gasoline bit, but. Sure. But is there toothpaste as well? Yeah, it's gotten ridiculous. That's wild, man. Yeah. This is why our empire is falling, you know? <laughs> pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice, a downfall of Western civilization. Hey friends, we're glad to have you with us. A few things as we get started here. First of all, please be sure to check out our partners at The Gospel Economist. That's thegospeleconomist.com. They host our podcast. They're a wonderful set of authors and bloggers that uh, seek the story of the gospel in our everyday lives. So encourage you to check them out. Also go to The Beggar's Blog, good partners of ours. Uh, It's a, a group of Lutheran pastors writing at the intersection of culture and or of theology and everything else, excuse me. Also, please do leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much to those of you that responded to that. Uh, I believe we're up to like seven or eight, which is actually double from what we had. So yes, uh, yes, I know. And they were all nice, man, really good. And in fact, (laughs) one was like, it was super nice, but it offered, it was a, a veiled critique, but it was really well put. And it just said, they can take a while to get to the topic of the show, which is true. And, uh, and so your comment is heard. And, uh, and we're going to keep moving because you're, you're right. probably ignored. That's right. We're going to talk about what we want to talk about. It's our show. Yeah. Thrown in the garbage. No, thank you. It actually, I think that's, I think it's a helpful review. So thanks, mom. Um, the, uh, uh, so, so, so uh, man, it was not really my mom. I don't know who it was, but it was, yeah, no, it was a really nice, it was a very nice what, comment. Was it my mom? It could have been Janet. I don't know who's to say, although she sent us a text this week and, uh, and was, uh, was like, am I still your favorite fan? Because I'm like four episodes behind. My heart just shattered into a million pieces. I didn't know. I didn't know she lost touch with us. <laughs> Mom doesn't love us anymore. It's a bummer, man. Yeah. Uh, well, at any rate, um, Tom, what are you drinking tonight, man? Well, I'm actually drinking red wine tonight, which is maybe a first for this episode for this show. I don't know. Uh, Jen had a little uh, party going on tonight. There's some red wine left, a little apothic red, which 
I'm going to say, you know, it's it's not the greatest red wine on earth, but it's also not terrible for a red blend. So I'm drinking it. There you it. go. I, uh, myself, I've got the, uh, the blue ribbon itself, the good old PBR. Um, yes. I just love it. And one of the things I love about PBR is that it won a blue ribbon, wait for it, in 1893. <laughs> and it can't let it go, man. It can't let it go. <laughs> they won uh, it that one time. The one time. So they're hanging on. And, uh, I guess who could blame them? So, uh, here's uh, to you, PBR. And hey, listeners. Hey, oh, go on, hey, Tom. No, listeners, if you like PBR, text us and let us know if you like PBR. 612-208-6258. 612-208-6258. You can text questions or tell us how much you love PBR. Uh, We're up go for it. Okay, no, you guys. You go. Guys, exciting news. We thought it was just going to be a Gabe and Tom show tonight, which has never before happened. But then... Who knew out of nowhere he just hopped in on the call friends this is like live action the man the myth the legend reverend joshua m woodrow josh welcome i just like to keep you guys in suspense and i wanted to crash your little pseudo party without me oh man <laughs> we had big things planned big things planned yeah. Wow. yeah well it's a good thing i can redeem us on the drink end uh because pbr and apothic red just isn't going to cut it for our usual mo on the pine glass preacher so uh you know what? i've hold got on. hold on yep yep the main comment i get from new listeners is josh is really mean <laughs> and look at you just feeding into the narrative buddy just feeding right into away. the narrative that's pretty much par for the course for my life so you're welcome everyone <laughs> you're welcome um actually i am drinking uh from not quite the hometown but the state nearest to me georgia from Jekyll Brewing Company, a hop dang diggity mm. IPA. That's nice. a good Georgia name. Yep. It is a good Georgia name. I like it. I well, like it. I'll tell you what, guys. We kind of talked about our text, and we got a really interesting text from a listener. Um, it was clearly a couple episodes behind, but was talking about some of the things that we had, that we had uh, talked about like four or five episodes ago or something like that. But some really thought-provoking questions, and they were so thought-provoking, I said, we got to get this person on the show. And it turns out it was my brother. And so here we have we have the, the doctor, Brian O'Neill, here to ask us his super weird questions. What's Woo-hoo! up, Brian? Hey, how's it going? Oh, we're doing great. All right. So, um, so my, my, my question, I have three questions. One of them is leading should be real quick and then two are a little bit longer. So first one is when do humans get a soul? I would say conception. Right. Yeah. Tom, you agree? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there. All right. I agree too. All right. So question number two then. So the same answer should be for fraternal twins, right? Because uh, a woman drops two eggs out of her ovary. They get um, fertilized by two different sperm. Yep. Um, and you get two different people. But identical twins are a little different, right? You get sure. one egg dropped, one sperm fertilizes it, and that's one person. Yeah? Yep. 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 That egg then splits. So what happened to the soul? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, here's my quick answer. You ready? Yeah. I would say the soul splits. So do they, get, do they get a half soul? 
No, no, no. So no, I, I don't think it's that. I think it's just becomes two whole souls. So it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it, it multiplies. It doesn't divide. Uh, so, so, um, so it's like, oh man, I don't know if I can put it the right way. I was, I was thinking of, well, in the same way that, uh, you know, we would say we're, we're simul justus et peccator, right? We're hundred percent saint, hundred percent sinner. And so, so I don't think the soul is a, is a zero sum game that way. And so I think it just becomes one soul becomes two souls because that would be the other thing, I guess, is the relationship between the soul and the body. Uh, I think we think they're more separate than they probably are. And, and so if you have two separate bodies, right, two separate embryos there, uh, you're going to have two separate complete souls because you have two separate complete bodies. So would then the twins share a very similar soul or do their or do their souls differentiate? <sighs> That's a weird question. Uh, I don't know. No, I don't no, know. Because, because the twins, twins, like they'll go shopping at different malls on the same day and come back with the same clothes. They'll, you know, they finish each other's sentences. They, they do weird, weird stuff like that, you know? Yeah, right. There's like that whole thing, right? Or, or there'll be the twins that, you know, were adopted by different families, grew up in completely different environments, and then they end up in like the same career and, and doing the same stuff. So yeah. if, if we think about the soul in the sense of as a personality, um, then perhaps, yeah, it is, you know, more or less the same. But if we think about the soul in terms of like... Um, I don't know the, the the spiritual aspect of someone. I, I I guess I'd say. I I don't know that it's the exact same. I guess I don't know that I care. I so I, I don't know. <laughs> there it is, guys. We it's don't care. Weird, I, that, that's my short answer. I don't care. Um, uh, okay, so so well, this the third answer or third question I have I think is a little bit more more crazy. Okay, I'm ready. So there's this thing called a chimera. Now what it is is it's basically two fraternal twins get produced. You have two embryos that then fuse in the womb to create one person. Okay. Now, so what you can have is different parts of the body essentially having two distinct DNA fingerprints. Okay. So if we, if we believe that fraternal twins each get a soul at conception, what happened to those two souls when they're now in one body? Dude. Also, is it the soul that, because it, it, like the brain will be one part of the body and, you know, like the, the legs or the organs could be another part of the body. That's what good. does that soul then do if it doesn't have a brain? Do they get to receive grace? Can they be a Christian or not if they don't have a brain and can't make a decision? Wait. So, so. The th Wait. Hold on. Hold on. You you went too whole. You yeah, went too on. far went, there. Went too far, science, Brian. Okay. So so for, let let's start with the chimera, where you have two eggs that drop, were fertilized, and then fused together to form one person, which can happen, and yep. they have different sets of DNA running through their body. Do they have two? Do they have a super soul because the two souls fuse together? Right. Right. May, may we call this the uh, the Dwight Schrute hypothesis? Um, for, for those of you that missed that episode of The Office, uh, that is where Dwight informs, forget who he tells, uh, someone that, that he had a twin in the womb, but he, 
what words does he use? He doesn't say absorb, maybe resorbed or so, I don't know. He says he absorbed the twin. And so he says now he has the strength of both a grown man and a tiny baby. Uh, so <laughs> so does, does Dwight Schrute have a super soul? Um, I don't know. I guess. I, gosh, Do you not Brian, care? I don't, know. I don't. Again, I don't care. Maybe. Maybe that's what I say when I don't know the answer. Uh, in instead of actually thinking deeply and hard about these things. What I'll does just, the Book of Romans have to say what, about? Right, I mean, I say I don't know. It's not answered. Um, let me think this through. Okay, so we got you have two, thirty seconds. Okay, I know. And I'm going fast. I'm going fast. Uh, we got two souls because we have two distinct embryos, but then they fuse together. The chimera happens, which by the way, as I was telling Tom before this episode is also the name of a metal band. Uh, they have a great album called the impossibility of reason at any rate. Uh, and so, so chimera is formed. I don't know. I think again, it's not a zero sum game. So then it's just a, it's just a one soul. Maybe it's a super strong one. But what, um, like, yeah, but what happened? Like they were, but what happened to the one before? Yeah. To become one, buddy. <laughs> I don't know, Brian. I, I think part of it, too, though, is the weird obsession that I think modern Christianity has with the soul. Um, you know, in one sense, of course, I believe we have them and, you know, they live forever. But but in another sense, the ultimate Christian hope is the resurrection uh, of the body. And and so and that's when the soul and the body are reunited. Uh, we you know, I talk about that ad nauseum probably on here. Uh, but at, at any rate, um, so, so then actually my question is, is that embryo resurrected? Um, and that's weird. Uh, so I don't know, Brian, I don't know. Thanks Brian for these super awesome questions. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Great episode. Good material. And Josh disappeared everyone, by the way. So, we don't yeah, believe in the rapture, but if it happened, uh, Josh got saved, <laughs> and, and us three are screwed. Uh, I mean, Brian obviously because he believes in science, but it's a wonder Tom and I are still here. So I'm I'm baffled. Yeah, gosh. All right, uh, Brian, thanks for joining us. These were great questions. Uh, we'll have you on soon. All right, sounds yeah, good. It's good to see you, man. Later. Keep the faith. <laughs> Just don't keep it to yourself. That's right. All right, guys. Uh, we are going to get into our our topic of the day right after this. We thought you might enjoy that little uh, tangent, if you will. Uh, we're going to because we're getting into the holiday season here. Uh, typically, the end of the year is when a lot of people end up doing their charitable giving. Uh, for most nonprofits out there, uh, a lot of churches are like this too. Uh, a good portion of their revenue comes in in the last two months of the year. It's a combination of people just feeling good and charitable because it's the holidays and things like that. It's the spirit of giving. And then we also uh, we also have this, this tax deadline. We have to get charitable contributions in by the end of the calendar year so that we can claim it on our taxes. And so uh, people give for all different reasons. So we're gonna be talking about uh, charity, about giving, about altruism, however you want to talk about it. And I think there is some distinctions between between those different uh, definitions. So we'll go to break and we'll uh, we'll get into it then.
All right, we're back. And today we are talking about uh, altruism, about giving, about charity. And as I said right before the break, I think there's a there's a difference uh, in in those definitions, uh, at least in my opinion, when it comes to uh, to giving to charity. There are people who give uh, for for reasons that are that are selfish. Uh, and, and I don't mean selfish in a bad way. I mean, for tax purposes, uh, they do it because their friends invited them to an event and that's the neighborly thing to do. Uh, you you do it for image, images like, yeah, I give to this because that's what's expected of me or or, or whatever. Uh, but then I think there's there's altruism where you are doing it for for the common good. You legitimately want the best things to happen. And so. I recently read a book called The Most Good You Can Do by Peter Singer. And uh, Peter Singer is an activist. He He's written a number of books about altruism, about uh, especially things around uh, animal rights and, and things like that. Uh, but, th but this book, The Most That You Can Do, uh, The Most Good That You Can Do is about effective altruism. And the difference being, um, he kind of puts it in several different lights. He's, he starts out by saying, where can you... Uh, from a vocation standpoint, do the most good. So the example he gives is, and this applies to me. So I work in a nonprofit and I I, I run a, a major giving department. And so the example is, I, for my organization, I am the best choice. I'm the best person to be running that that shop uh, because they went through the hiring process and I, I came to the top. That, that's not me being you know, look at me. That's just, it's just what happened. It's just what happened. They, they think I'm the best. And so I'm the best, right. but the person below me is, it isn't, isn't that much worse than me. I'm only a couple percentage points better than the next person who would replace me. Okay. Um, the next person to replace me could maybe raise a couple hundred thousand dollars more or something like that. Right. But if I also happen to have skills to go work at a hedge fund and make $2 million a year, Peter Singer would argue that I should go and do that, live off a million dollars a year, as tough as that may seem, uh, and give away a million dollars. And I could be much more effective working at a in a hedge fund than working in a nonprofit. And most people don't think that way. Most people think, oh, you work for a nonprofit, so you're doing the most good. You're the good guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, but if I'm giving a significant portion of money because of my high-paying job, then his argument is no, you can do the most good doing that uh, because not everybody can be a hedge fund manager. The next step down then is when you do give money, what's the most effective thing you can give money to? And the example they give is you could give a million dollars to a museum and you know it, it, that, that million dollars builds a whole new wing, a whole new gallery. And so people's lives will be enriched and a hundred thousand people will see this this gallery every year over 15 years, you know, uh, 1.5 million people will see it. Their lives will be enriched. However, you could also give a million dollars to mosquitonets.com to prevent malaria in Africa, and you could save a million lives. And so the okay. argument is that you should give a million dollars to mosquito nets. That is absolutely wasting your money, giving it to the museum. Not to say that, that the arts and things like that are bad, but you can do more here. He even argues that giving to mosquitonets.com or something that will actually save a life is bet looking at it from a, a money ratio, uh, giving to a NICU, 
to a hospital in the United States. Giving $10 million to NICU isn't really that effective because it costs so much money to save a baby who, who is struggling as a newborn. Right. You know, it, it's a ridiculous amount of money, $1.5 million, but it only costs $100 to save somebody you know, in a third world country. Right. You know, by giving them clean water or something like that. So the more effective way to do that is to go there. So that's the whole point of the book. And it, and it gosh, it really got me thinking about where I give my money and why I give it. Yeah, man. So, so I, a couple things come to mind in, in you explaining that, Tom. Uh, first of all, I think it's really interesting and a really important conversation. Um, but the next thing I guess that I wrestle with is this, like, yes. Uh, you know, if you can give, if you can be a hedge fund manager and give a million dollars a year to, um, organization X, that's all well and good. But how do you know that organization X is doing that good with the money you're giving them? And so part of me says, let's, let's take you for example, Tom, like you, you are a, a sharp guy. Um, and you, you probably could work in a more, um, in, in the in the for-profit sec sector and you have um mm -hmm. and and you could maybe do a little better financially and give a little bit more than where you are but uh is it not possible that that same skill set that might make you more profitable in the for-profit sector using it in the non-profit sector actually makes that non-profit more effective than it would would have been if you hadn't chosen to uh to work for it do you get what I'm saying? So, so like the the there's there's person capital beyond financial capital, and so if you if you as as a person capital give of yourself um, and your money, so it's like it's like a hundred percent self, and then you know, let's say fifty percent less money, but a hundred percent more self. Does yeah. that end up outweighing the the fifty percent more money, but the zero percent self? Well, and I think that's something that the book asks everybody to kind of kind of figure out for themselves because like I look at at the CEO of my company or of my organization he is I mean when he walks in the room you know that guy is the guy you right. know I mean he's amazing and every time he talks you're like I want to hear more I, I want to do whatever you're doing you know so you listen to the show Tom is that why you said that yeah I do no <laughs> he's, he's yeah. a big big fan of the pot yeah I, I might be fired no I I uh, so like from from that perspective, he shouldn't be anywhere else. He could go work. He could go be the CEO of any other company. I mean, yeah. he's got, he's got a BA from Stanford and an MBA from Harvard. Yeah. Like he could literally run Target, General Mills, like whatever he wants, right? Yeah. But because of his skill, the next person down the rung, it there's a big gap there. There's a big gap. So, so you have to decide is my is that people capital worth more than than financial, financial capital? capital? Yeah, you know, and so, and I, I think Peter Singer's argument would be for most people, for ninety five percent of this world, all of us average Joes. Yeah, you know that working, you're not that much different than the next person. Right. But if right. you do have a skill to make twice as much money, and you actually give, you know a significant amount. Cause if you're making a million dollars, you don't need a million dollars to live, to be an effective altruist. One of his points is that doesn't mean you just slide your ratio. Like if you give 10% of your salary as an average Joe making 50 grand a year, yeah, 
now that you make a million dollars and you still give 10%, they say, no, no, no. An effective altruist says, what's the bare minimum I need to live and yeah. to, to have a comfortable lifestyle, but I don't need to drive a Ferrari kind of thing. You know, right, like right. I'm going to give away 800,000 of my million dollar salary. Yeah. Like I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. make that happen. So move off that meager 200 K. I know. Right. It's, it'll be a, <laughs> it'll be a struggle. It'll be a real grind. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. I, I get that. And um, I do want to make sense. So, let me Go address ahead. your other thing though. You said, how do you, you would ask, how do you know if the organization you give to is being effective? Was it? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, from a real logistical standpoint, there's two things out there, Charity Navigator and GuideStar, which rank nonprofits and and give them, GuideStar gives you a rating one to a hundred yeah. about how much money you're using for programs versus how much you're using for overhead. And right. if you're if you're in the ninety anywhere in the nineties, you're a pretty decent nonprofit. Right. You're you're using your money effectively. Right. Uh, Charity Navigator has a four star system, and so three and four stars, you know, is is good. You're doing so, well. yeah, uh, yeah. So you can look at it there. But then it's all about if if you are giving, if you're giving it a a significant amount, and I'm not going to put a dollar amount to that because if you're making. 30 grand a year than a hundred dollars is significant, you know? Right. Um, I've got donors who are given a hundred thousand dollars a year and it's not even significant for them, That's you know? Ass. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I'm actually one of those that gives a hundred K a year. That's good. It's nothing. It's like, yeah. Pump change. Yeah. I mean, and we appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Hashtag pastor salary. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if, if you're giving at a significant level, um, where was I going with this? I, uh, I don't know, but let me, hey, I don't know. I, let me, let me float this your way though, too, because I, and, and I get that. And I know for me, at least in organizations that, that I care about and like support, that's one thing I look at, um, is what's, what do they do in terms of their overhead and, and then what actually goes to the people in need. Right. So, yep. um, you know, so I think, uh, a Minneapolis based organization, uh, feed my starving children, yep. like, you know, they have on their website, I, I think you pro probably still there where it shows like, hey, your gift, you know, it's a really percentage. It's something like 95 or 98 percent or something crazy like that yeah. goes straight to helping people in need. And it's like two percent goes to the administrative cost of that, which is just mind blowing to me. But but that's awesome. So so I'm like, awesome. I want to support that organization. Now, that being said, though, uh, you and I both know that helping people is actually ridiculously complex um and for that matter so is capitalism uh and and so it is right so so in the one sense yeah. you know Mr. Are, you, are you referring to things like when her when helping hurts and right you know, exactly exactly yep. so so in one sense um right so so let me let me put those two tensions up here these two dichotomies here i don't know if it's a dichotomy but these two tensions in that uh, on the one hand if I'm giving to feed my starving children again, I think I think they do a good job. But let's say I don't really think that deeply about it uh, because I'm busy making a ton of money. And so I say, all right, well, I'll I'll hive off, you know, 100K to help these guys out. But, you know, all they're doing is is literally just dropping the bread off and running away. And it actually ends up creating dependency and it ends up hurting the culture that it's supposed to be helping. And yep. so I think I'm doing more good. And, and certainly the percentages show that I'm doing good. 
but uh, the percentage of how they use the funds would, would indicate that they're doing good. But actually on the ground level, it's not actually doing good. And so, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, and I think this is where I was gonna go. If you're giving at a significant level, uh, I think you need to do your homework. You need to, if you're making an investment into this organization, you need to do your homework and and not only look at their 990s and their char- charity navigator and guide star ratings and things like that, but talk to other people about what they think about the organization and where that money's going and is it hurting or is it helping? Because I know one of the knocks against Feed My Starving Children is that they're coming in, they're, they're throwing around all this free food but it hurts in a place. It's great for disasters. It's great for uh, refugee camps and things like that. But when you just throw it into a place like any country, Africa, if you're living in Africa and someone presents you with free food or you can buy from the farmer, which are, what are you going to take? Mm-hmm. You're going to take mm-hmm. the free food, right? And so now you're, you're undercutting your local economy. You're undercutting people who are legitimately trying to make a living. Africa has enough food to feed itself. That that right. has never been the issue. Right. And all sorts of other issues that are that are that get in the way of that. Right. But right. they have enough food. It's just a matter of there's a lot of times where we're actually hurting. Well, things. actually, let me add a point of clarity though. Most parts in Africa at most times do. Uh, there definitely right. famines happen over there. I mean, even in recent history, famines have happened in in areas in, in West and East Africa. So but anyways, but yes, so you're right. So that, that's issue. So then let me let me throw in the wrench of capitalism here. So say Mr. Hedge Fund Manager makes this $2 million a year. Well, while that's all well and good that he's given a million of it away, what's he doing to make that $2 million? On, on whose back is that $2 million coming in? Uh, right, because money just doesn't appear out of nowhere. And in one sense, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I'd say I'm, I'm pro capitalism. I, you know, in, and what was it? Winston Churchill said, like, I mean, he said this about democracy, but he said, you know, democracy is uh, the worst system of government, except for all the other systems. Um, and, and, you know, and and in many ways, I guess I'd say the same thing as far as economics go. Capitalism is the worst form of economics, except for all the other systems. And yeah. uh, and so. So, th- so bearing that in mind, you know, money comes at a cost. It's costing someone something. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think especially when we bring in the, the hedge fund manager, like we instantly go to like the financial world, which has a really bad reputation, um, somewhat for good reason. Some of it is baseless, you know, things like that. Uh, a lot of it, I think, is just people not understanding how money works and things like that. I mean, at that complex level, you know, right, right. Um, but I mean, if you're, you know, I, I have a good friend who, who actually runs a hedge fund here in town and he is an incredible, he's a Christian guy. He is incredibly ethical. He runs business like you should, right. you know, he's not fleecing anybody out of any money, you know? Right. Yes. He, I'm sure he's made mistakes before in, you know, asking people to invest in something that didn't turn out. That's how that game goes, you right. know? Right. Um, but but he's not fleecing anybody out of anything. Um, there are also for every one of him, there's maybe five of the guys who are not good. You know, right. right. Um, but I think if you work, if to your best of your ability, if you can, if you can do your homework on the organization that you work for, the company that you work for, and believe that you are doing ethical work and not exploiting other people, 
uh, you, you know, I don't think you should feel bad about that. Yeah, because well, you're right, and the, and this is right, and this is the positive side of capitalism is is then you know, so not only is I don't know business itself a fine thing, but on top of it, it provides jobs for people. I mean, it's it's the best way to give someone a job, and jobs provide dignity, jobs provide productivity, jobs provide income for other families, right? So you know, and as much as someone likes to get angry about the big corporations. And in one sense, that's fine. And that makes sense. In another sense, they're providing thousands of jobs for people that put food on the table for families across the land. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I don't want to just decry that system and say, like, everyone should just give everything away all the time because that just doesn't work. It doesn't happen. Um, no. So. So I don't know. I mean, and so I guess that brings us back to, to Singer's thing to say, all right, well, if you can make two million then do that being a hedge fund manager and give 1.8 million of it away and drive a Kia and you know, yeah. but then, but so let me, let me make this harder though, because it, it gets worse, right? Like, because for example, neither you nor I, Tom, by the way, good listener, Josh uh, was raptured. So we don't know what happened. He's he, gone. He is, he is gone. Yeah. So at any rate, um, but, uh, but Tom, you, you and I, neither one of us makes, you know, big money, uh, no. but you and I both live in uh, the suburbs and we live in nice houses to, to a certain degree, yeah. certainly nicer than most of the world. Yeah. Uh, and so so where's the line? Like, are, are we being greedy turds right now? Because, you know, I pay 180 bucks a month on my cell phone bill. I don't have to do that. Right. But I do. You You even have like cable, don't you? I do have cable, which oh man, you I want to cut that. Selfish, selfish turd. <laughs> right? I mean, what's the line on that? Like that to me is the scary thing is to say, shoot, I mean, should I should we all just be living in sackcloth and ashes all the time? So so the first I may have brought this up in another episode. I don't know. I, I, I say this very often. I the first mission trip that we went to in Peru. Uh, I was not leading that one. We went with another uh, another organization, Orphanos, which is another really great organization out of, out of Memphis, Tennessee, orphanos.org. Uh, check them out. Uh, works with orphanages all over the world. Um, the leader there, we, we, we went on the trip and she on the last night she kind of said you know what you're all going to go home and you're going to feel like i should sell everything and i should i should move down to peru and become a missionary and and you know i'm so blessed and why why am i living in all this wealth when other people aren't and things like that and she said you need to realize and and understand and accept that god has blessed you and be happy with that yeah you know i mean be happy that god has blessed you with a mind that, you know, is smart enough to make you into a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Just be happy and praise God that you live in the United States, that you were born and live in the United States of America, that you can afford to have a flat screen TV. But then she went on because I was like, my ears perked up because at that point in time, I was I was like saving my money to buy a flat screen TV when they had first come out, you know, and they were really expensive. And I and I said, man, I, I, I was actually going to buy a flat screen TV within a month. And now I can't imagine buying that. And she said, well, what were you going to get? And I said, well, I was going to get a, a 50 inch. And she said, how much was that cost? And I, at that time, it was like 1600 bucks or something like that. Yeah. She's like, 
do you need a 50 inch or could you get by with a 42 inch? I said, well, I could totally get by with a 42 inch. She's like, okay, buy the 42 inch and whatever the difference in cost is, give that away. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you don't, you, you don't have to live in sackcloth and ashes. I, 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 I don't think. But I think so. Here's the struggle with that though. I mean, I, I get you, but on what basis are you making that decision? Like I feel good hearing that too, as a dude living comfortably. Yeah. Uh, yep. I don't. I don't even have a TV, Tom. Um, yeah. That's how pious I am. Uh, really? Yeah, we got rid of it. Yeah, yeah. We read. Uh, Melissa and I read a book called uh, "The TechWise Family" by Andy Crouch. Uh, really great read. Really quick read, by the way, for those of you out there uh, who care. Uh, but uh, he he says, until all of your kids are in double digits, he says, don't have a TV in your house. Huh. So I mean, it sounds I, extreme. I, I feel kind of good. Like our kids rarely watch TV. Like it's only when everyone is a complete disaster and Jen and I need to get something done. We'll sit them in front of a show, but that is like maybe a half hour a week. Yeah. And we'll watch a movie once every three weeks. Like, so I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. But that's interesting. Anyway, it is interesting. Well, it's made our life easier in that, like, that just is never the conversation then, right? Because like our kids never are asking to watch a show, they're never, because it's like, it's just not there. Right. <laughs> you can't um but but anyway so i you know, i don't i don't think everyone has to do that i'm not trying to sound overly pious it's just work worked for us yeah, um cool but at any rate so but back to your tv and you know so and, and i've heard you share this story before and and um and so you buy the 42 and then you know the 400 bucks that you didn't spend to get the extra eight inches um you donated to orphanos or whatever else you did with it uh Mm -hmm. and and that's all well and good and we can maybe pat ourselves on the back for that but yep i i don't it doesn't feel resolved to me still you know like it's like i don't know you still spent twelve hundred dollars on a tv yeah and that twelve hundred dollars could have saved four lives yeah and and i think that that's the question that this book really kind of calls into question is like I, th- I i think the good thing is to struggle with it yeah is to say and i i like to think that jen and i have this conversation often enough like do we need to do this could we be could we be giving more or is this being good stewards of of what god has given us yeah you know do I really need another pair of shoes? Do I really, you know, and maybe, and maybe it's not even that we're, we're giving it to charity, but we decide to pump it into something that will be better for our kids, you know, to, to raise them up because that's another, that's another small part of the book that he brings up is like, how much do you focus on, on giving money to things that, that better your children versus, you know, like, should I spend $10,000 a year on my kid's education, which will help him become, yeah, it will be much better than the school situation that they're in. Yeah. Or should I spend that $10,000 on mosquito nets? Right. Cause, and, and so then that gets to like your, and so this is maybe where I think part of the answer is, and, and, and I don't think it's a cheater answer is, is to look at your vocation and to look at, your potential for greatest impact in a person's life. And, you know, far and away as a parent, your greatest impact is going to be in the life of those that you um, raise. 
And so to invest your money in them, right? So to get your kids healthy food and to get them good education and opportunities to grow as people and a warm bed to sleep in and, and X, Y, and Z, I think that does have to come. I don't know. I, I think that has to come before mosquito nets. Does I, it? I, I don't know. I know. Yeah, sorry. As soon as I said that, I was like, that doesn't seem right. Um, no, because because think about think about it. Okay, I can send. L- let's just say we we have kind of not good public school and shiny private school, right? Yeah, right, right. I can send my kids to not good public school. They will get a decent education. Yeah. Uh, they probably won't win any awards and uh, and won't look good on a on a resume to get themselves into Harvard or anything. Right. They will go to the, they'll go to the U, they'll go to, you know, whatever, a, a, a decent college. And who knows? I mean, they, they could be anything. They can, they can still become a doctor and a lawyer going to the University of Minnesota or North Dakota State University or whatever, right? Oh, I see. Yeah, but they're not, but they're, but they're not going to Harvard. They're not going to this. But if they go to the private school, then they're a feeder into Notre Dame or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. whatever you want. Right. Well, so yeah, both so both, both tracks both tracks offer different things. Um, but the ten thousand dollars a year, I could save. I could save a hundred lives a year doing yeah. that. And my kid's probably going to turn out right because I'm a decent parent, right? Right. Right. If he goes right. to public school, and they've had relatively good opportunity. Right? I mean, you know, in, in in the grand scheme of the world, and even in the grand scheme of the country, they've had relatively good opportunity. Or I recognize that my kid is really, really smart. He loves science. He could become a scientist and make millions of dollars a year and 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 be giving lots of money later on that I don't have that opportunity to do right now. Right. Oh, oh, now see, right. How how altruistic is that? Is to say, like, hey, I raised this kid that cured cancer. Yeah. Boom. You won right there. Right? Like, it doesn't matter yeah. what you did with anything else. You raised the kid that cured cancer. Yeah. You're the winner. Yeah. Uh, um, yep. <sighs> Dude. So let me, let's, let's move us along because I, I think one of the things, so it's easy, it's easy to say, to think about altruism in terms of humanitarian good, right? It doesn't matter if you're religious, yep. irreligious, whatever, everyone, kumbaya, we, we all like to help. I, I, th- I think the end of that conversation is that he, it's good to struggle with it. And I think if you are thinking about it and, and starting to, starting to try to make decisions one way or the other that that's where that's where we should be at least at minimum yeah is struggling with with how much money we should give and where we should give it yeah yeah okay yeah okay so then let's get to the where we should give it because one of the things that we have as uh people of faith is uh this practice called tithing right Mm -hmm. and and, And what uh, what what is a tithe game Ah, a tithe. Bring forth the tithe. Uh, so, you know, tithing is is an Old Testament practice, uh, actually, in which the, the Israelite community was. If only Josh were here, he loves the Old Testament. Um, <laughs> but he does, man. He's that's his bread and butter. But well, that and Norse mythology. Um, but uh, <laughs> so basically, just missing Jesus. So I'll just say, basically, if if Josh could replace the New Testament with Norse mythology, that's his religion <laughs> right there. Um, but, uh, at any rate, so 
Uh, okay, so the Israelite community, they were required to give 10% of their, their harvest, you know, they're an agrarian culture. So 10% uh, of their harvest to, to the priests, to the temple, uh, either to be sacrificed and or to actually take priests and the upkeep of the temple and X, Y, and Z. Uh, and so, so that's kind of where this practice came from is the Old Testament. It's not actually in the New Testament. The New Testament is... Uh, what's kind of funny, much more of a radical call. It's actually give everything you have for the sake of the gospel, uh, which then again gets into a whole other thing. But, but let's let's just leave it at this. And so throughout the centuries, the church has said, all right, well, we'll, we'll hang on to kind of this Old Testament practice of giving 10% of your income uh, to the local church, to the, the local worshiping community. And so, so that's a tithe. And so that's, you know, mature Christians uh, do that. And, uh, and so then the question becomes, though, when, when there's people in the world starving, or, or maybe not starving, when there's people in the world getting malaria, whatever, giving 10% to a local church in the suburbs, that doesn't seem right. So... The interesting thing when I was reading this book is because Peter Singer is an atheist and and is not going to not going to validate what church brings to to people. Yeah. One of the interesting things I couldn't stop thinking about is his big argument was give money that will save to organizations that will save lives. Uh and you know he he had a great website he's like you know givewell.org is an organization that literally looks brings the best of the best websites or organization says these yeah. will legitimately save lives these will kind of save lives you know he's like mm -hmm. go here go here go here right uh but i couldn't help but thinking as a man of faith thinking okay but I give a significant portion of my charitable dollars to the church and I do so because I very much believe in the, in the sharing of the gospel because I believe it, it, it saves eternal lives. Right. Right. So, and that's where, so like, just on that, like, I'll, I'll just out you publicly here. Um, you know, when, uh, when we were starting my church in Texas, yep. um, you know, you and Jen gave a very generous gift to us. And, mm -hmm. uh, and our first three baptisms were a 16 year old, a 17 year old and 25 year old, uh, who the, the first two had never been in church before in their lives. And, and, you know, and they came to know Jesus and, and the life he offers and the eternal life that he offers. And so, you know, from a Christian perspective, it's like, well, hot dang, man, like that's, that's money well spent if we're going to be yeah. crass about it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, there and is for some... this conversation, we are, we are literally doing math equations of right. Right. Dollars to lives saved to eternal souls saved to right. whatever. Right. So, Just, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. they all matter and infinitely matter. Yes. Okay. We're there, but this, yeah. we're talking shorthand here, folks. Yeah. Don't be too offended. All right. Snowflakes. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, at any rate, so, uh, so yeah, so once it's like, that's awesome. But in another sense, it's like, first of all, that's actually not super common for sure in our denomination, um, and really across the board. And so, you know, you got 
you know, Jimmy in, in Podunk Baptist Church in middle of nowhere. And they're not, you know, it's they're a fine church. They're good people there. They're not doing anything wrong. But it's it's not like this radical life change is happening. They, they maybe had a quote unquote conversion in in a decade. Uh, and so yeah. then is that right? I mean, I mean, I just go with the very general thought process of, you know, going to that very middling church in rural town that's not growing, you know, great guns or anything like that. Just, you know, people typically come in through baptism, they go through Sunday school, they get confirmed, they stay in town and they go to church there for the rest of their lives and then they die, you know, right. like, uh, if we don't give to those churches, though, that church disappears and they then their faith withers and dies. Right, right. Then they, so, then yeah. when, so when they do die physically, then that's it. Yeah. You know, they, they so, don't have this this eternal life in heaven. And so so giving to your church is is important, I I, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And and on top of you don't have or I mean, I guess the the same language or same thing, but I'd use different language in terms of the 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 impact of the gospel in that community is then diminished. Mm-hmm. Is right the the short sentence there, and so yeah. that matters. That and, matters and absolutely. And so, I mean, I think Peter Singer here would say, if he was a Christian, would say, well, you should be giving to the churches that matter most, that that are right. are bringing in the most people. You should be looking at churches with a guide star rating. You know, right, right, um, which which I, I don't think works. I mean, there, there, it, there's something lost in translation there because um, a, a church with 50 members and the pastor is really working hard to, to foster that, that flock, yep. you know, is just as valuable as, you know, what's his face, Rob Bell, you know, well, he's not a church 10,000 member church. Let's go, let's know. go Stephen Furtick. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. okay. With his long shirts. Right. They're so long. <laughs> They're so long. How do you do that? Yeah. I, Plus, that dude's got guns, man. I don't know where he gets those. Like it's CrossFit. Yes, man. I'm working on it. I'm trying to catch up to him. I don't think my shirts ever will. Um, <laughs> but uh it at any rate, right. And well, that's actually something I've thought about though, Tom, is I'm like, as you sort of you know, you know, the mega church idea is sort of, a, and sorry, this will probably be a little bit of a rabbit hole, but, you know, the mega church idea is is certainly a modern phenomena, right? You know, it's, it's kind of this weird, uniquely American Christian thing. And, and, but, but it, now Furtick actually, his theology is pretty wonky, but so let's maybe do an Andy Stanley, whose theology is not too bad. Um, and, and uh, although it's not great, but it's not too bad. It doesn't matter. Any big church. Okay, let's they, let's pretend they have just perfect theology, okay? And they're they're reaching yeah. twenty thousand people. Um, part of me says, like, shoot, maybe we should. They're they're doing something that I'm not, you know. Uh, well, just to circle back to your capitalism thing, because I'm the first one to say I I don't believe our church does enough to think like a business. Yeah. You know, we continue to just say nope because the gospel said so. We're not going to change our ways ever. You know. Um. And, well, and, if only that's what it was, because if the gospel said so, then that's what it should be. But right, right. It's but like, just nope, because we don't do that. Right, we just continue, and we just continue to let churches wither and die, yep. and and then blame society. I was like, no, you you just 
you're not acting like a business, you know, you need to be doing the things you, yeah, you got to be smart. You got to be getting out in front of it. And, you know, I've said this before that people like you and Josh are doing the things that need to be done to get out there and, and and bring people into the church. But it it comes back to what then should we be supporting? Do you continue to support your hometown church that isn't growing? Or do you support the one that's that, that, that is actually in your opinion, moving and growing yeah right well and then yeah and so that's the struggle then is because then but then that's that's dangerous because people are are uh we don't always make the best decisions as human beings so duh but but i guess what i mean by that is like how do i put it Mm. there's always more than what meets the eye and so I, I have a hard time, I guess, just as as a pastor thinking like, well, so, hey, so, for example, in, in my city, the big church is this church called 242. Uh, they're a church plant like 10 years ago, and yeah. they're just killing it. I mean, they're awesome. They're, they're doing a great job. Uh, should I tell my people like, hey, listen, you know, we've had like three baptisms in the last year. You know, they had like 20 or actually they had like 120. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? let's just scrap it and you guys should give your money there and we should all go there. Like that's gotta be missing something, right? Well, okay. So I'll say part of me says that, yeah, you should, I think you should join with 242 and stop trying to compete with, with Walmart. Right. You know? Right. Like it's a waste of resources. It's a, it, it, it just, you know, assuming your theology is all all the same. Right. And, let's let's and, and pretend the theology is perfect on both ends. Right. Then yeah, I I honestly think you should. My dad's a rural pastor, and I've been talking to him about this for years now. That as these small towns close, everyone's trying to hang on and hang on because we get very very attached to our church. And I and I say, you know, eventually you guys are going to have to consolidate. Like I drive twenty minutes to get to my church here in the cities. Why can't the next town over, which is 15 miles away, drive to the other church? I don't understand why that can't happen. You know, yeah. it's because you live in a different town and we hate that town. You know, I like I, it doesn't make any sense to me, but it, I think it may come to that. I don't know, but you're right. When it comes to church, in fact, there was a very interesting article uh, written back in 2010, uh, kind of year after the the big recession in 2008 and 2009 and it was looking at what organizations survived and what didn't and i happen to have three friends and we all work in various spots and nonprofit i i was working for a christian camp at the time one of my buddies was a pastor one of my buddies worked for chicago theater company and one of my buddies worked for an ngo that kind of they're a nonprofit but they worked national and globally right sure yeah the theater company almost had to shut down Mm -hmm. because in a recession people say okay if i'm going to give up the arts the arts i'm going to give up my theater subscription uh and if i'm going to give charitably i'm going to give to people people need to eat before they need to go to the theater like at the end of the day i think everybody realizes that i'm not disparaging arts here like you need to eat before you need to see art 
Right, but this is the yeah, hierarchy of needs, right? Is yeah, it was right, Maslow's right. hierarchy of needs, right, right? But the church, the church didn't lose a dime. Mm -hmm. My pastor friend, they didn't lose a dime because they said the last thing people are going to give up is their faith. And the last thing they're going to give up is giving to their faith. And so I thought that was really interesting. Working at a Christian camp, I we saw a slight dip, but not a huge dip. Mm -hmm. Some people, some people kept, most people kept giving. Some people said, we're not going to send our kid to camp this year because we can't afford it. But so we well, saw a, a slight dip, but you know, it was very interesting to see what people continue to give to and what they don't when, when money is scarce. Well, and I think we, uh, we probably have to wrap up here, but I, I guess in closing, one of the things I think is interesting, Tom, is you talked about, you know, singer as an atheist may not or wouldn't see the value in giving to to a church because he'd be like no you just give to what say is going to literally save a life um but i think I, I guess i would like to think that an atheist with a more open mind would recognize that what religion gives to people is a purpose in life that it, that it's not just life for the sake of right and so i mean of course, I believe religion is much more than that, and not all religions are the same. That okay, okay. But if I'm just kind of Mister Rationalist out here, I'm just saying, well, it gives people a purpose, life. It gives them meaning. It gives them community. It gives them um, a place to belong. It gives them something worth living for, and mm -hmm. and so there's actually tremendous value in that, right? If if we're just kind of farting around for no reason, then like why keep anyone alive right right so i i think this actually gets to a point uh of of where we give our money and how we give our money and, re and especially in terms of if you are a person of faith um where you should give your money to and we came up with this this concept of tithe and so we're gonna go to break we're gonna come back and uh, i think gabe and i have have we we kind of disagree on on where a tithe should go and so we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that just for a couple minutes. Uh, and I think it'll be pretty interesting. So we'll be right back. Peace. Right, we're back. Uh, as promised, we're gonna we're gonna get to the arguing portion of the of of the discussion here. Uh, Which, by the way, though, I was gonna highlight this. Did you notice how peaceful you and I were and calm, collected conversation? Right, right. There's, I don't know, man. There's something to be said for life without Josh. It, it's just a little more peaceful. It really is. It really is. Um, so. Anyways. If you like that, you'll love this episode. If you really like the tension that comes from having Josh on our episodes, uh, you know. Actually, true story. I had a friend uh, listen to us for the first time last week, and he listened to the Reformation episode. He's like, well, you guys did it. Uh, that was far and away the most uncomfortable I've ever been while listening to a podcast. <laughs> Good, good. Glad, glad that's to do that that's what we need for, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but, all right, so let's get into it. Okay, so let's talk about why you hate the local church so much. Yeah, so you brought up the tithe. Uh, yep. Generally speaking, in terms of this conversation, we are going to talk about uh, the tithe is in biblical terms usually a ten percent of your of your earnings. Yep. And so, uh, whether you are currently giving ten percent or you're giving less than that, like this is not a judgment statement on that. We're just for the sake of the conversation, we're just going to go with ten percent. Okay. Yep. Yep. I. Uh, Gabe and I have had this discussion in the past. I. Uh, Gabe believes that all 10% should go directly to the church that you attend. Yep. Correct? Correct. I do. I disagree. Yes. Because coming from a perspective of working at Camp Luther, uh, which was part of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, North Wisconsin District, uh, owned and affiliated with, um, I believe that if you give money to Camp Luther, that that counts. Yeah. That's so why it doesn't get here's why it doesn't. Uh, so, so the original intention of the tie, like if we were to go back to Old Testament time, was to support the place of worship, was to support the local place of worship. So it wasn't, this was not so because there's other factors that said, you know, so so in terms of taking care of the poor in your midst, God had other rules for that. Uh, there's gleaning, right? So there's other ways to do the justice work. Uh, that God would have his people do. There's other ways uh, to take care of the other giving that's necessary in the life of a person of faith. Um, but that 10% was meant uh, for the house of the Lord. It was it was meant for the temple. And so, so to me to say, like, if, if we're going to understand this biblically as a tithe, it goes to the place of worship. And then on top of that, then you say, okay, I, I've given to my local church. Now, how do I do X, Y, and Z to buy mosquito nets or to support Camp Luther or to give to Second Harvest to harvest.org. Um, you, you know, like, so so to me, that's your on top of, because the reality is also this, like this, this notion of, you know, uh, churches, they just want your money. They just want your money. Remember, because pastors are just living. No, that's BS. Like anyone who's worked in church work for like three seconds realizes that that notion is just insane that if actually people that went to local churches all actually gave 10 percent of what they earn which very few people actually do but technically speaking the national average of charitable giving is two percent right okay see yep um so if people actually did that churches would have more resources than they'd know what to do with and so if we actually are committed to a local body of Christ, we're committed uh, to this particular local expression of the body of Christ, then we should say, okay, if the most important thing in the world is the gospel and the means through which God has decided to get the gospel to the world is through the local church, mm -hmm. then let me do whatever I can to support the local church. And so then I think what ends up happening is local churches then find themselves in abundance and trust me, it doesn't go to pastor's salary. It goes to saying, okay, how do we eradicate hunger in our community? How do we eradicate teen pregnancy? How do we do X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. so, so it opens up doors to radical possibilities, but it all happens through the local expression of the body. Okay, so I'll take exception in two, in two ways there. Uh, one, especially when it comes to faith-based organizations like Camp Luther, Camp Arcadia, which you are very much involved with and things like that, 
that they are the church as well. They are the place of worship. Worship does happen at those places. And I would argue, especially in this day and age, that uh, that camps and other faith-based organizations are just as important in the faith formation of, of our people than are just as important as the local church. Well, so let me ask this then. Um, cause and you know that you can't argue that I won't, um, I, I could, but I won't. Um, but, but what I would say is this, if, if I understand your language here, Tom, it's, they are the church, right? So, so they're not yes. the a local expression of the body of Christ, but your Christian camp or, uh, can't, especially, especially in the camp world, they, most camps are owned by the district. They are a, for all intents and purposes, they are another church in, in the district. Right. You okay. know? And so they are doing, they, they are doing the, the work of the church just as much as. So then the let me ask place. this. So, well, so then I, I assume though, then you'd also include a Christian mission organization, right? Like, Orfanos or um, or or a Christian uh, food bank uh, and say, hey, given to them, they are the church as well. Yeah, yeah, I think they do, because, I mean, we have multiple, multiple instances in the gospel of Christ doing this exact type of work or exhorting his disciples to do this kind of work. Yeah, well, and, and, then, and to say, but no, don't fund it. You right, know, well, it just I, seems asinine to me. Well, I start, uh, you know, and let's be clear. I'm not saying don't fund it. Do fund it. Right. I'm saying fund it after you give 10% to your local congregation. Yeah, and I just don't think that's, especially in this day and age, I don't think that's realistic. Because when you think about, when you think most financial planners will say you should be, you should be anywhere between 10 and 20% saving for retirement so that you can live after that. Tack yeah. on 10% your church you and, tell yeah, me many, how many regular joes can sacrifice 30 yeah, percent no, of their exactly. salary right right but but let me let me let me flip this so first of all i don't know i don't know where financial advisors get that crap i don't know anyone who does that um but but second maybe you do i don't know but uh but 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 secondly is in one sense, I, I get it. Like, if you, you have a same for retirement, you got to do X, Y, and Z. You, how can you give 10% to this one place and then be expected to give anything else? But let me actually drive this point further home because we may end up in an okay place tonight. It, it's possible, Tom. Okay. But what I'd be curious about is, okay, so to say mission organization, Christian food pantry, Christian camp, whatever, those are extensions of the body of Christ. They're extensions of the church. Uh, and, and, and in a way, you could say they are the church. Okay, I get that. That's fine. I, I don't disagree. Yep. What if, though, I say, um, so, you know, 2% of my income goes to my local church, uh, but I want to give another 3%, 4% of my income to uh, the local homeless shelter, uh, which is a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. They need support, but they're not Christian in any way, shape, or form. They're just folks that are yep. helping people out. Does that then count as the tithe? Because then, then we're not talking that the gospel is not being proclaimed. It's not really an extension of the church. Yeah, you're doing things that Jesus told us to do, and it's mm -hmm. a good thing. Yep. 
but it's no longer the church, right? Because the church has the gospel. And so if the gospel well, is not proclaimed, then it's not see, church. And see, that, that's the interesting thing that you brought up. And that was my second point is you're like, if the church got all 10% of everybody's money, that man, they'd have more money that they, they could do with. And then they could go and feed the poor and the and shelter the homeless and things like that. And I'm like, okay, so your distinction then is that simply a past, it's under the auspices of the local church. I mean, as as an employee of Second Harvest, like, are you going to tell me that the church is going to do it so much better than us? No, and I wouldn't say that they will. And so then but... what's the difference? Christ, Christ said, go and give a cup of cold water to the widow and the and the poor. Like, right. and we're and doing should. that. What I'm saying is you should, and you should give 10% to your local church. And because... throw a Bible at them. But, but here's the difference. Here's the difference is it's your local church. Okay. So, so to me, like, that's the thing is it's like, it's the community that you're a part of. It's the community that you're invested in. It's the community that, that matters to you. And right. And I'm saying I'm giving to second harvest in my community to the people that I care about to literally my neighbors down the street. No. And that's fine. No, but when I say community, I'm not talking about uh, the community as as like the city you live in. I'm talking about the church being the uh, the you, your central community as a human being. Sure. Okay. Okay. So, um, so that's what I'm saying is that if you say this place is where I belong, this place is where God is forming me. This place is where there are these people are the people that I'm called to serve with that I'm called to be on mission with. So we're going to give everything we have together as a people, as the, the local expression of the body of Christ together. Mm -hmm. And so that to me is that's the difference is so then second harvest can exist and do its thing. And what happens then is, you know, Peace Lutheran Church in, in Bemidji says, OK, as the local expression of the body of Christ, man, we're going to support second harvest together because that's part of our mission as a church. That's what we believe in. As so opposed then, to being like, well, I like this thing and I like this thing and I'll just give this little dilly here. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that where, where, where we end up splitting is because, you know, for, for Jen and I, at least, we are very, we are very um, thoughtful about the money that we give because we want it to go to a faith-based organization. We like organizations that work with kids. And so preferably if it's both. And so, you know, it's not going to be the NRA or a political party or, or something that's not faith-based, you know, things like that. But if I give to my church and my church creates a food shelf that does it, my money ends up doing the exact same thing as the food shelf that already exists. So I guess I just don't care whether the church runs it or... No, but Tom, I'm not talking about running it. What I'm saying is... If you give to your church and your church gives to the food shelf, shelf that's the church just God. becomes a pass through. I, I, but, right. But it becomes a, a community that you're a part of, that you're contributing to, that you say, this place matters to me so much, or I, I trust these people so much that I'm giving them my money. Right. I, but I would say that our church exists in, with, and under our greater community. And so, so the, all my money doesn't need to flow through my church. No, not all your money. 10% of it does. <laughs> no, I don't even think 10%. I think 
I believe that if I'm being thoughtful about what what God would want me to do with my money, with my charitable dollars, here's here's the thing that I I try to challenge people to think about, and and then we should probably get out of here. I mean, I don't have to have the last word. You can respond to this, but mm-hmm. what I challenge people to think about is this: is if the way I behave towards my local church was duplicated by everyone else, would our church be better or worse? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so to me, like, if I'm asking that question, man, if I give 10% to my local church, if everyone else did that, we'd be way better. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it along in one of your sermons a long time ago about how many nonprofits were started by the church, by faith-based organizations. I think that is, that is absolutely true. I think um, there's a lot of statistical evidence out there that a lot of the people who do support charitable organizations will, uh, or, or come from a faith-based background. Yep. And so I, so I, I, it's to me, it's all in the realm of the same thing. Um, and, and we can, I mean, you and I will probably spend another half hour after this arguing yeah. about this, but I, I think at the end of the day, what I, what I want to say is for people coming from a nonprofit background, you coming from a church, I think we want people to be very thoughtful about that. It shouldn't just be, Oh gosh, what should I do for, for appearance sake? What should I do? Just, just because God says so. I don't think God really wants us to give just because he says so, I think he wants us to be passionate about what we're giving. Yes. Well, I, I think it's in there. Maybe that's not articulated well. It's, it's, yeah. So I'll be a theology I, nerd if I correct you. So you're fine. Yes, I get what you're getting at. Yep. I, I, I'm not. I don't want to go to church just because I should because that's what God said so. Like God wants us to come to actually worship Him. He does. Like, he does. But I, I guess yeah. what I would say is like I also don't. When it comes. I'll just shut up. You're right. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Go on, Tom. So, so, and, and I will say from a nonprofit background that we want people who are passionate about giving, I, like, don't give me a hundred bucks just because you feel obligated to do so. Go give money well, to where you're passionate about. Well, see, and that's, I guess, so, all right, I'm going to have to do it. Yeah, that's do it. Things like, no, I don't care. And I don't think God cares either. Do what he told you to do period yeah. uh you and know that's what, and, and that's so, where i'll say he told us to feed 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 the hungry and i do yeah, all that do that do that i mean so again if i'm hedge fund manager to go back to our original conversation 10 percent of my 2 million goes to my local church and then the rest of that you know 1.8 million that i'm spending i'm feeding everybody with huh. uh and and so to me i'm like that it's fine do it all that works if you're making two mil well, very true. Right. And that's that's where the rubber meets the road on this. So there it is, people. Go make yep. $2 million a year. That's our solution to altruism. Become a hedge fund manager. Get rid of $1.8 million of it. You're still living off two hundred k a year. You can do it. You can do it. It's true. All, All right, right, friends. Glad to have you with us. Uh, sad Josh wasn't here. We're going to miss him. Uh, but he'll be back sad. next episode. A uh, few shout outs real quick. First of all, to our girl, Janet. We miss you. We wish you were keeping up with the episodes. Breaks our heart that you're not. Uh, Please shoot us a text, 612-208-6258. Let us know what you think about this conversation. Any questions you have, 
etc. Uh, I think that's all I got, Sam. All right. We'll see you guys. Peace.